welcome to episode 133 of the Nerd Out Loud podcast. Today is Sunday, July 17th, the year of our Lord 2016. I am Jeremy Holmes. I am joined here by my wonderful, delightful, charming, uh, level 14 Pokemon trainer. That's 15. Partner in life and in love and in crime. Oh, Christina Wise, everybody. Hello. It's actually a level <laughs> 16. Level 16? Yes. Dang, girl. Dang, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever said that to you? No. Um, Christina, how are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Good. Good. I feel like I don't ask you that enough. Basically, once a week when we're recording is yeah, when I ask how you're doing. Ask, yeah. I mean, we've been hanging out most of this day. Anyway. All right. Well, um, you guys, as always, we have a very exciting show in store for you. We have a special guest today that's going to talk to us about the Zika virus, whether it's something we need to be worried about, whether it's something <laughs> that you or I can get, what the implications are, why nobody seems to care about it. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. But before we do that, we did have a couple phone calls. So I thought we would uh, we would jump into that. Sound good, Christina? Sounds great. The follow-up files. Hey guys, it's Jeremy again. Uh, sorry, can't get rid of me. Uh, just a little tip in for what the dude uh, who wrote in a while back uh, said about uh, Jesus in the streets, not in the sheets. Wait. Whatever it is, it's even better when you take out the T in that acronym because nobody uses the T for the. Therefore, it would be jizz-niz. Jizz-niz. That's the comedy gold. That's what it's called. Jizz-niz. Jizz-niz. <laughs> it's hilarious. Also, uh, about the gun thing, I wasn't talking about giving every military personnel an AR-15 when they got done. I just mean that perhaps people who do want to get a gun should go through the same rigorous tests and training that a person in the military has to go through. So, uh, yeah, I was going to let that one go, but I now that I called in, I decided to slip that one in there. Um, also, not everybody... Yeah, they're not all crazy. Not, not all crazy people do stuff like that. In fact, very few crazy people do stuff like that. But the people who do stuff like that typically, let's face it, they are kind of crazy. If you're going to kill somebody in that manner, especially that many people, you're probably crazy. I can say that without treating any of them. And I can't treat any of them because I'm not a doctor. This has been Jeremy's Ramblings on Nerd Out Loud. And I always talk long enough for the fucking screen to lock. Jeremy's Rambling on Nerd Out Loud, a.k.a. all 133 episodes of Nerd Out Loud. There is somebody named Jeremy Rambling <laughs> on true. just about every one that I can think of. That's well, true. Except for, except for that one that you recorded without me. Yeah. I guess there's been a couple. There was some unauthorized NOLs. Yeah. Oh, there's but Jeremy was on one of them. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I digress. Jizniz. Yeah, I he like it better. He was speaking about um, Jojo, my dear friend, 
Jojo that wrote in and let us know that the we came up with a business idea called Jesus in the Streets and Not in the Sheets, yep. which is a consultation to tur- churches to make sure that they uh, can avoid sexual innuendo in their songs, mm-hmm. which is not going well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, somebody, listener Jojo, pointed out that the acronym for that is JITSNITS. And <laughs> as Jeremy said, we take out the T. Jiznitz. Yeah. Get behind that. You can get behind Jitsnitz. Jiznitz. Okay. I probably have gotten behind Jiznitz one, one time okay. or another. That will have Zika. <laughs> um, all right. Hey, guys. It's Dana here. And I was really challenged by your Am I a Jerk this week because usually it's pretty obvious that it's just Jeremy. But this one got me because I am very pro-pet. I love animals, as you guys know. And I had rats when I was growing up. And I got rats for my kids when they were growing up. And I've had them in the classroom. And, you know, I actually had a rat, pet rat, in college because I was a weirdo like that. But um, I, where I had to pause was in getting around the idea that when somebody has a real phobia of something, that that's that's not just them being too much of a baby or whatever. But I understand, you know, Christy, I don't have any phobias like that. But but in having friends who have them, I've grown to understand that that's like a real emotional challenge for you to go through. And have it in your house, if you had to sleep in the friggin' car when you had a frog in your house, I'm thinking that... Um, rats in your house or gerbils in your house are going to be pretty difficult for you. So I think you are great to toughen up for that week and bear through it. But it would be hard if you guys actually had to buy one for Ellie. I mean, that would be a lot for Christy to overcome. So I'm going to have to say that Jeremy should have asked first. And if the answer was no, she just couldn't think about handling it for a week, then he had to honor that because... She's your love, and you have to, you know, you got to work together. It's all a partnership, right? So I have to weigh on Christy's side this time. Sorry, Jeremy, but, you know, it, it's really a serious thing when somebody is that afraid of something. So that's my two cents. Bye, guys. Okay. I just want to say, she, Dana, first of all, thank you for calling, Dana. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe next time keep your opinion to yourself. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, stop. That's what this segment is no, about. Yeah, we love sure. hearing from we love hearing from the listeners, even if they have bad opinions about things. Uh, no, <laughs> even when they're completely opened, wrong. Uh, Dana, here's my issue, Dana, with your voicemail is that you opened up saying, you know, usually Jeremy's always a jerk. Like that's just a given <laughs> that Jeremy was bad. Right. But, and then at the end, she's like, so, you know, unfortunately I'm going to have to side with Christy on this one. And she says it in a way that's like, you know, as if that's not a normal thing, but she literally <laughs> just got done saying that she never sides with me. No, what she said was that it, she was torn on this one mm. because she's pro rat. I see. Well, she's just pro pet. Yeah. And specifically rat. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Dana was uh, one of a few people to pitch in and let us know how they felt about last week's Am I a Jerk segment, which uh, just in case you didn't listen, I will tell you very briefly, I had Christy has a phobia of rodents 
uh, my sister just got two gerbils for her, her her kids both got these gerbils they were going out of town they needed somebody to house sit them she asked uh, my daughter my five-year-old daughter is in love with these gerbils mm-hmm. um my sister asked if we would watch the gerbils said specifically that he would pay my she would pay my daughter to do it and i said yes because they would just stay in my daughter's room the whole time I figured it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a big deal christina was saying i am a jerk because i didn't ask her about it first mm-hmm. knowing knowing that she had this phobia Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, anyway, I don't think I was a jerk, <laughs> but uh, what other what? according to the raft of feedback that we got? Okay, this is what I want to hear. <laughs> as one likes to say, d- we did not get any feedback as to whether a raft is something <laughs> that is used in that context, but whatever. <laughs> uh, according to the raft of feedback that we got, the the large variety of feedback um uh i am a jerk yeah okay i got one i got one person that agreed with me who was it albert no well yeah albert alberto 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 on twitter thank you alberto yeah except for i feel that he has a history of not being right on other things he just said you're not a jerk hashtag gerbilgate thank you alberto (laughs) i appreciate it well, he's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I will say we also... What, you were just about to well, say something. Well, I wanted to comment on something that Dina said where she said that um, you... I don't remember. It's the end. That you should keep me happy because I'm mm-hmm. your love or whatever. But you always put Elise wants above mine all the time. I don't know about that. And she wanted the gerbil, so you didn't ask me. Well, I just figured that it would not affect you because it was going to oh. be in a part of, you know, I just figured you would not go in that part of the house. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, here's what I'm curious about. If there are people out there, I mean, we know that Christy has a severe phobia of rodents. Okay. I also want to clear up. I don't have a phobia of, of rodents. Oh. I'm afraid of them. Mm-hmm. Phobia is like an actual thing. That okay. I would... I would probably throw up if one if one of those things escaped, which mm-hmm. we know they're escape artists, if one of those had escaped and it was running towards me mm-hmm. in the house, I would have probably fight or flight probably thrown something at it to kill it. Okay. Not thinking like, oh god, this is a pet or whatever. Yeah. But it would have been not a good situation. Yeah. Or if it had like crawled on me i might have thrown it across the room not meaning to do anything to do harm but that but my phobia of needles is an actual phobia yeah like that i've been hypnotized and stuff for in the past did it work well no it didn't work being Um, hypnotized didn't work because you're still terrified of them in the fact that i can now go get a blood test it i still have to be medicated and whatever but i probably for 20 years of my life never had a blood test because I just couldn't deal with yeah. it. And you're attributing this solely to hypnotism? No. Oh, okay, good. But it helped to be able to not... There's no way that hypnotism is real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you always talk about our brain has tremendous power, right? Yeah. So that's all it is, is planting a suggestion in your brain. Hmm. We're going to have to look into this. Okay. And come back. Uh, what I'm really curious about is I would really love to hear from people that have phobias of things. Because mm-hmm. I too. just want to hear. so interesting. 
I so if any of you are listening and you have really strong a phobia of something or a really strong fear of something, I would be really, really interested to know just to hear about your experience with that. Because mm-hmm. I think that I it's not something that I've personally encountered a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean I have I have I get scared of really weird things. I remember I didn't sleep outside by myself until I think I was fifteen years old, all the way through the night. I used to sleep outside a lot, but I would always come in because I was scared of the dark. And like when I was camping, when I was in Boy Scouts, I would, uh, I would just get, I would get up in the middle of the night. I would wake up because I'd have to go to the bathroom uh-huh. and I would just like go outside of the tent and just pee like right in front of the tent. Oh yeah. Like an animal nice. because, uh, <laughs> I was terrified to walk away from the tent by myself because I thought, so, you know, I did, did have. Did you see the Blur Witch Project too? No. Oh, because that's why I had that. Scare. I mean, I, I I remember I remember one time, um, I remember one time I got left home alone when I was probably like fourteen. I mean, I was old enough to be home mm-hmm. alone for sure, and I was on the couch and I got too scared to get off the couch because I was convinced that somebody was underneath the couch uh-huh. and was going to get me, and so I didn't get off the I didn't get off the couch at all. I just stayed on the couch until my parents got home again. So, I mean, I guess I have had some fears, but I think that maybe, I think that maybe part of what's going on is maybe I don't really like, I'm having a hard time really understanding what it's like, I guess. Okay. So I would love to hear people's experiences. I'm just curious. So if if you people out there, you people, you know, you <laughs> people, uh, if you people out there have any experience with like phobias or fears or anything like that, um, give us a call. You can voice, send us a voicemail or you can... Uh, email us or whatever probably one of the easiest things to do is just record a message on your phone and send it to us Mm. it usually sounds a little bit better than a voicemail anyway um of course you're more than welcome to just call in and do the voicemail thing if you'd like uh the phone number is 206-588-5463 or all of our contact information email address website twitter facebook all that stuff nerdoutloudpod.com that's our website if you go to that all of our contact information is on there. I would love to hear from you guys if you have um, if you have fears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and besides that, Christina, the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, because we talked about this last week. Oh, no. Pokemon Go. Oh, yeah. Because I have never seen you go so hard at something. For <laughs> like, so long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're into this. Yeah. You're in. I mean, it's been a week and you're still playing. Yeah, didn't we download it last Saturday? Yeah, just last before Saturday we recorded last week. Yeah, yeah. And you're into I'm into it, it now. Um, it almost lost me again today when for the for probably the morning until three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Was it about three when we couldn't get in? Oh All yeah, all the servers. Yeah, crashed. they opened it up in Canada or something. I think, yeah. and it shut it down. It is. Um, I was saying this has to make app developers so mad. Because it's such a garbage app. Like it, <laughs> it crashes all the time. It's super buggy. Half the time you can't get on because the servers aren't working. <laughs> and it's just, it is so, it wildly popular. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like changing the way that people interact, at least in, around us. I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the country, but there are roves of, Adults, like kids, adults, teens, whatever, wandering around all the time. It's nuts. And Christy's one of them. Yeah. And we, I mean, I'm in, I'm playing too. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not trying to 
bag on you or whatever. I just, I've never seen you get so, I have not seen you this passionate about something in quite some time. Well, it's just fun. And also, um, we, I, we talk to people. I mean, we'll be outside a lot, but now people are talking to each other. We talked yeah. to a lady who was feeling guilty because her kid was off playing in the park <laughs> and she was doing Pokemon and yeah. we just told her, don't feel guilty. Yeah. It's fun. You can see them. Yeah. Not in danger. As long as your kid's not, I mean, as long as you're keeping an eye on your kid. Right. One eye on the kid, one eye on the Pokeballs. I was driving around yesterday and I saw so many people. It felt like more people than normal were outside. Yeah. All together, families walking around together that you don't yeah. normally see, especially in areas where you don't normally see. And I, I feel like I kind of have, um, this assumption like, oh, everyone's playing. And maybe that's just my blinders or whatever, because I am. But every time I would look and there would be a Pokestop that someone was next to. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how long I, I keep with this. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, I, I do think, I mean, one thing that we're finding out apparently is that there's just bodies everywhere, like all the time. <laughs> yeah. I think I've read four news stories now that I know of, and I'm sure that there's been more. Four news stories about people finding bodies while playing Pokemon Go, which is terrifying. But hey, I mean, whatever it takes, I guess. Let's get out there and find all these unsolved bodies. All these unsolved murders, I guess. Yeah. I'm just really interested to see, like, how this all unfolds. I mean, it has, it feels to me like one of those. I mean, every phone, every cell phone looked the same until the first iPhone came out. Mm-hmm. And now they all look like iPhones. More yeah. or less. I mean, they all have that real similar interface or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was just kind of one of those things that was kind of a game changer. And to, so to speak, I, I feel like maybe this is going to like change some stuff. I mean, I, I think it's kind of the perfect storm of there's this. You know, Pokemon's been around for 20 years, and so they have 20 years worth of marketing invested into this, so that definitely helped. But it's also, you know, it's kind of branching out into this augmented reality thing, which is yep. like a whole new layer onto civil, so, sort of mobile connectivity and stuff. So I'm I'm interested to see what comes of it I think beyond that, just more dead bodies. I mean, I don't, I didn't know anything. I don't know a Pikachu from a diddly wop or whatever but i think that i would have been into this game that it's overlaid with what is it called ingress yeah i think i would have been into that i just didn't know about it yeah well you can download it you already go to all the pokestops because well they have better portals or whatever if they have better servers then i might switch over yeah yeah all right all right do you have to capture things? I feel like we should start taking a bets on I'm I'm not sure. I've never played it. Oh. I downloaded it, but I haven't played it. I feel like we should start taking bets on when you're gonna be done. <laughs> because I feel like I feel like this is a, a hot you're burning hot and fast on this one. Like you're real into it, you're playing a lot of it. I feel like there's literally gonna be a day where you're just like, eh, I'm done. And you're yeah. just never gonna play it that, again. That's exactly how it happens. Yeah. And then I'll look over and you're still playing. And I'll be like, oh, that's still happening. I'm preemptively sad about that day coming <laughs> because it's kind of fun to just watch. Well, you we'll be see so this week because my boss is back. So I can't <laughs> wander over by his desk to get that <laughs> pokey stop anymore. So Hopefully much. he doesn't uh, 
Hopefully he doesn't listen. Well, he's been in a different country, so he yeah. might not even know that this is <laughs> happening unless he's been keeping up on U.S. news. Oh, man. All right. Well, Christy, let's uh, let's jump into our our interview with our lovely guest. Okay. We are joined by Kelly. How do I pronounce your last name? I apologize. Folkers. Folkers. We are joined by Kelly Folkers. Yeah. Folkers. Um, and how do we know you, Kelly? Oh, how do we know each other? That is such a great question. And well, we, we do know each other through the TBTL Too Beautiful to Live podcast. And oh, yeah. I met you guys in person in Chicago last mm-hmm. September. We're real life friends. And so we're, but we're Facebook friends and you posted something the other day because you're in the process of, of getting your master's with the, I am, uh, you just told me this New York university center for bioethics. Yeah. So I'm getting my master's there. Um, I eventually plan on becoming a genetic counselor, but I'm currently doing work at the medical school this summer and into the fall, um, working as a research assistant, working on various projects. But the main thing I'm doing this summer is working on the Zika virus response and kind of doing some public health and bioethics outreach with that. So I had actually posted in one of the TBTL message board groups. Um, I wanted to get an idea from just anyone in the country, what they would be concerned about if they were going to the Olympics. Uh, because we're compiling all this information to distribute to people who will be going. Um, and so I've been doing a ton of research this summer on what Zika virus is, how it reacts in your body, like what the public health risks are, what people should be aware of. And um, I guess you guys saw that and were interested. So I'm happy to you know, give as much information as I can yeah. on the subject. I, I'm just excited to talk to somebody that actually knows a thing or two about a thing or two, because I feel like, especially when it comes to stuff like this, there can be so much misinformation and so much hysteria and all that kind of stuff. And my my personal general default is to just not worry about it. Like, eh, you know, everybody's just freaking out. We're going to be okay. Uh, but, uh, but I'm curious, I, I, I'm curious what you have to say about it, I guess. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, is, is yeah. this whole Zika thing? Maybe uh, may, let's just pretend, uh, because it's more or less true that mm-hmm. I know very little about it. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about what it is? Yeah. So Zika virus is in a family of viruses called flabby viruses. I think I'm saying that right, but I'm no virologist, so We'll just go with that. And it is very highly related to other mosquito-borne illnesses. So it's related to dengue fever and chikungunya, both of which you can get through getting mosquito bites and they have very similar uh, patterns of symptoms. So I, I think the Zika, so the Zika virus, I think, originated in the Zika forest of Uganda in like the 1940s. And um, it was first found in these sentinel monkeys, I think, in a lab somewhere. And the next outbreak of it that was really significant was in French Polynesia a few years ago. And it sort of spread, started spreading throughout the world then. Um, and there were a few instances that were related to it, but they didn't know causally yet that disease caused these neurological defects in children. So you did, you know, in these communities, you would see a few babies who were born with microencephaly, which happens at 
um, some kind of very low baseline rate in the population. But we, you know, you started to see that in a few different places that were associated with Zika virus transmission. Um, and then I think it was late 2014 that the outbreak began in Brazil and other places in South America and where, you know, this, um, breed of mosquitoes that can carry this disease have, uh, you know, they started spreading it. Um, and then different clinical reports started coming out that showed that the virus could be sexually transmitted. You were, you were seeing people who were traveling to these places with active mosquito borne transmission. And then they were giving it, it was men giving it to mostly women, female partners. Um, and so then we started to see research coming out late last year, early this year that actually showed a causal effect of the virus causing microencephaly in fetuses, which is like, this, you know, you have a, a child that's born with a brain that's like half to a third of the size that it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, this outbreak is also particularly concerning because there are certain, a small number of cases that result in this neurological symptom called um, Guillain-Barr disease or Guillain-Barr syndrome, actually, excuse me. And it's, you know, you can, most people recover from it, but it can actually be fatal. You just become kind of paralyzed and you can't move very well and you can recover from it. But that whole process is relatively unknown as to like why some people are getting GBS from Zika and why some people aren't. Mm. Um, so really the big risk that we're facing is an interesting one because it's more of a population risk than it is an individual one. If you're a woman of childbearing age, but you're on contraception and you're not planning on becoming pregnant, the risk to you is relatively low because, you know, eight out of, or, uh, yeah, it's eight out of 10 cases are not going to be symptomatic. You're probably just going to be okay. The virus will pass through your body at some point and you'll be fine. But the problem is that if you get bitten by mosquitoes in a place where Zika is actively being transmitted, the mosquitoes that the same breed that exist at your home, like wherever you live can bite you and then continue to transmit the virus to other people. So it is a very serious problem because we're facing a risk of lots of children being brought into the world with severe disabilities. And it's not, you know, disability advocates have a lot to say about this and in the bioethics world. It's a very controversial issue because we want to, a lot of disability advocates will say, well, you know, people who are brought into the world who are blind, who have Down syndrome or who have other kinds of things we consider to be a disability, really their quality of life is not, you know, super affected because they're alive and they're able to live lives that are worth living. Mm -hmm. I think that this is probably different because this is a very severe thing where, you know, these children have a very very slim chance of a life that they can live independently. Um, and it's just so neurologically devastating. And so the issue is that most people probably think it's not a big deal, which to you, it might not be, but you know, it, it actually poses this huge risk to the population. And my thought is, you know, based on the, the type of ethics that I follow is that we all have an obligation to try to prevent this. And a lot of people think it is mass. Hysteria, but there is a real problem here that mm-hmm. we need to address. So, can you? I, I'm a 33 year old dude. I go down to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. 
I get bit by a mosquito that has this virus, right? And so then I get the virus. That's how it works. I get it from a mosquito. Well, either you get it from a mosquito or you get it from someone who's infected that you're having sex with. And that is now, we now know that it is actually um, just last week. So it used to be thought that the virus could only be transmitted sexually from a man to a woman. It was only through semen. But we, there was just a case reported here in New York City of a woman who gave it to, she was traveling somewhere where there was active transmission of the virus and gave it to her male partner. So now we know it's possible, like, and it's, and everybody in the public health community is just completely blown away by this because we didn't even think it was possible. And now we know that it is. So those are really the two main ways. I mean, also like if you got a blood transfusion from someone who had it, which is also, that's been what's concerning about that is because as of right now, the rapid diagnostic tests that we have cannot distinguish between the Zika virus and dengue fever. So dengue is, is a more serious illness. You will have a higher fever. You're typically going to just feel like you have the flu and feel pretty crappy for a while, but you, you'll be pretty sick. Yeah. Whereas with Zika, that's not, you know, if you get it, it's more, the symptoms are more mild. But the problem is that the symptoms are similar enough that they could be seen as by a clinician, maybe as the same thing. And we don't have a good, reliable test. If you got sick, Uh that would be able to tell you which one you have. So it's so nuanced that there's so many things that we don't know. And the other problem is that Congress failed to pass the Zika funding bill. And so they're going to be gone for their seven week recess. So we have, (laughs) A problem right now yeah. that it's summer. Um, There's nothing else going you know, on. What would they? Yeah. What would Congress need to hang around for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, you know, you know, those schools could not get their act together. <laughs> and each side is, I mean, each side is partially responsible. Like they couldn't come to any sort of compromise. And it's ironic because the, all the the stuff that they were the Democrats were trying to block were these riders that the Republicans attached onto it to limit Planned Parenthood funding, mm-hmm. which to me just is, it blows my mind because we're basically denying people public funding for contraception or abortions or reproductive health services. When at the heart of this issue, it, it affects people who are pregnant the most. And yeah. it was so ironic in this um, op-ed that I, that we published in the Chicago Tribune, we pointed out that, um, or at least I think so. I don't know if this made it into the final draft, but we tried to point out that, you know, Marco Rubio is one of the few Republicans who's telling them, like, we need to take guys, like, we need to take this seriously, yeah. uh, you know, because he's from a state where it's they're expected to be the hardest hit by it. And, and, you know, that's a state where you can you cannot get a publicly funded abortion mm. unless you are um unless it's like a case of rape or incest or, or something like that. And yeah. it's just, it blows my mind how people cannot see past their own, you know, very ingrained religious or right. political beliefs and see that this is a real public health concern. And yeah, it's, it mostly affects pregnant women. And a lot of people then kind of pass that off as like a more fringe public health crisis when it's not, it affects everybody. It affects the next generation of people coming into the planet and viruses mutate. Like who knows 
how this will continue to affect people later. So it's really problematic. And I I don't think so many people see it for what it is. So, so I, um, as an adult, like if I get it or if Christy gets it or whatever, um, there's not a lot of risk to us specifically. I mean, I think what did you say? There was like an eight in, or there's, there's a 80, 80% of the time it just kind of passes through your body and it's not a big deal. The issue. Yeah. 80, 80% of the time you're asymptomatic. You'll have it and you won't even know. Oh. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then the cases that do happen, unless you're like immunocompromised or, you know, you're like on chemotherapy or you're, you're, um, you know, if you're not a pregnant person, but just a a person who has some sort of like immune system deficiency, that's where it could be problematic. But, you know, like if you look at, you know, say for example, you're, um, a person in your twenties who, uh, is sexually active, you know, like most people in major Mm -hmm. cities, you know, are, and you're, you know, Zika becomes more of an epidemic, which it already is. I mean, there are over 4,000 documented cases in the United States and the territories now. So, you know, I think the last statistics I read, there were some, I think like 300 cases in New York that have been confirmed in the city. Um, but yeah, so if you're a person who, you know, is sexually active going around and you know, doing your thing and potentially like not using safe sex practices, which we know from data, most people don't 100% of the time use condoms or take birth control effectively. Yeah. Like there will be unintended pregnancies. And if this continues to grow in, you know, some sort of, of tangible way, that could be a problem in the future. And I just, you know, most people will say, well, you know, I practice safe sex. This isn't an issue for me. But the reality is that if you look at the data, people are not, Com, you know, they're not compliant with yeah. condom use and, and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the spread itself, a lot of some, you know, it's debated most public health experts, including, um, a couple people I've talked to individually say that the Olympics is unlikely to affect the spread, um, significantly, but you know, it, it is spreading on its own without this big event in the epicenter of it. So, right. Yeah. It's, so, uh, so, okay. The, the concern then is people having people getting pregnant basically while they have this, whether they know it or not. And then th- right. the, the babies have severe defects. And so the, basically the solution to this, to, to like the whole Zika issue probably looks a lot like reproductive health care for women which is something that Congress is scared to put energy and funding behind. Is that? Yeah. So, so two things really, I mean, that's one big thing is like making sure that Planned Parenthood clinics are funded, that women who are especially like low income people who, um, you know, might have been exposed are able to make an informed decision about whether they want to carry a, a Zika um, infected baby to, I guess that's not totally accurate. It would be a, a neurologically um, defected child who from Zika, whether you want to bring more babies to term or not. And, you know, in my study of, I don't know a lot about reproductive ethics, but in terms of like the things that I've read and studied from a philosophical level, it, it, it doesn't, the duty to gestate and to carry out a pregnancy is, 
is something that has often been imposed upon women historically. And there are a few scholars who think that like allowing asking someone to do that is almost akin to like sexual assault or rape. Like it, it's this thing that should be a beautiful experience, but when imposed upon someone can just be totally devastating. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, that seems obvious to me. I don't really understand why we need to be arguing for that. But at the same time, you know, unfortunately this is such a politicized issue and it's oh. access to safe and, and effective and, um, uh, abortions and all of these things are just not given to a lot of people depending on where you live. So that's one issue is that it, it there's this whole uh, access to family planning and, and contraception and, you know, in certain cases, abortion, the other is um, mosquito control. And that is something that is a problem right now because we don't have this Zika funding that was supposed to be passed. The government is trying to reappropriate some of the money that was set aside that's left over from the Ebola crisis, um, which is also controversial. Some people don't think we should be doing that. Um, but, you know, one of the other things that ethicists are interested in is this idea of trying to just like genetically modify mosquitoes and make them such that they can't carry these viruses. And I don't really know a lot about how that would work. Um, I do know that there's some significant consensus with some dissension in the like, um, entomology and, uh, you know, certain other like fields that deal with environmental issues that they say, well, if we had just eliminated mosquitoes, it would have like some, effects on the environment initially, but then species who rely on eating them would just like find food sources and it would sort of yeah. balance out over time. Um, I thought you were like going to say that maybe we should make like superhuman mosquitoes, like genetically modified <laughs> mosquitoes that will kill all the other mosquitoes. Yes. Like some kind of crazy, I mean, like mutant mosquito civil war situation. I mean, there is some kind of like <laughs> genetically modified mosquito that exists that does Something like that. I don't think it like actually like murders <laughs> yeah, the mosquitoes, but oh, it like there's some, and I don't know enough about it, but there are some breeds that exist now that like can somehow either like produce non-viable offspring or, you know, something like that. So mm-hmm. that's something else that the, you know, environmental community is looking into. And from what I know, and it's not, it's very limited on this, this part is that there's, um, there is a lot of consensus that says like, let's just get rid of them. Like let's just genetically engineer mosquito populations to make them non-viable and just completely try to eliminate these things that are just like vectors for disease that nobody likes and bite you and are terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some other people who also think, well, if we, you know, they kind of make the slippery slope argument of if we do this, then like what else becomes permissible to do once we set that precedent? Um, You know, I hate mosquitoes. I, it also just be eliminated, but I don't, I don't know enough to really make an informed argument either way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it, it, you know, it seems like if there's good enough consensus about the issue and like if, if the models predict that the environmental impact would be low, I'd say get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, should we be worried about this? I mean, <laughs> I obviously I know that it's not like a black and white, like, eh, it's no big deal or like, let's all freak out. But I mean, what, what, what should our approach be with this whole issue? I mean, both just here in the United States, but then also kind of in light of the fact that we have this global event happening in 
right. Rio in, you know, the coming months. Well, and so a lot of what we're working on is essentially trying to help people with their decision making on whether they should go and whether they should stay. And we're working with a few other um, scholars who do more in like the health psychology realm to make this, we're trying to turn this information we have into like almost this decision tree kind of guide, like, you know, where you say like, okay, are you a man or a woman? Like, what's your age? Are you planning to become pregnant and plan a family and then sort of help you get the right information to make mm-hmm. that decision for yourself about whether to go or whether or not to go as a society? Yes, we really do need to be concerned about this. And, you know, one, it's because we don't, I fear that we will be forcing if we don't pass adequate funding for, um, reproductive, uh, health issues and, and making sure that Planned Parenthood is funded and that kind of stuff. I fear that we're bringing a bunch of people into the world who are severely disabled, especially, um, in places, you know, that are low income We're we're going to be forcing people to carry these babies to term who don't have the adequate resources to care for severely disabled children. And it's just really, really sad to think about. And I think that, you know, yeah, we do need to be concerned also because the, the other interesting statistic about this that, you know, is kind of alarming. uh, There is epidemiologists can calculate an value called an R not value. And so what R not is, is basically a representation of on average, how many people you are likely to infect if you are infected with some kind of infectious disease. So like Ebola, for example, the R naught value was between 1.5 and 2, depending on which paper you read, which basically just means if you had Ebola, you were likely to then infect one and a half persons to two people, like on average. Okay. Um, right. So HIV is somewhere around, I think, four. Um, Zika is like, depending on what estimate you look at between like four and seven. Jesus. So, yeah. And it's, it's sort of, you know, the, I've seen multiple estimates of this. And so the range is difficult because it's hard to pinpoint like how much of it is from sexual transmission and how much of it is from like mosquitoes transmitting the virus. So it's, it's kind of hard to, because it's so unique in that there's this kind of dual transmission, um, routes that are just, you know, equally as problematic. But if you, if you think about that, that's a lot of people that you get sick. And I think that this is, you know, I think that we need to really evaluate our thinking here because most, you know, if we look at other public health crises happening right now, for example, like people who don't want to vaccinate their children, they are all like a lot of those people take the view that I'm unlikely to be affected by something. Therefore I have no obligation to vaccinate my children. When in reality, if you don't do that and your child gets sick, you're not only harming yourself, but you're putting multiple people at risk in your community. And so most even healed and rational people have sort of come, you know, think that the anti-vaxxers are crazy. Mm. And it's just interesting because we don't seem yet to have that approach when it comes to Zika. Like people aren't really seeing it, at least from my perspective. I mean, I could, you know, I could be wrong, but 
most people I've talked to have sort of just seen it as like, Oh, this isn't a big deal. Like I have no, no obligation to do anything about it. And, but you do, like if you are going to a place where, you know, you have the freedom to, to do whatever you'd like to do in terms of your travel, I don't think we should be, you know, inherently just telling people they can't go to places they want to go. But, you know, think about how you would feel if someone in your family were to get this disease and, and they were having a, a baby. Like, I just think people need to think about how they would feel yeah. in, in a situation where, you know, a person like they're bringing someone into the world who is so disabled or like, I just think that there's so many other comparable situations. That we feel obligated to protect other people in a public health way. And I think let's like think, you know, Zika is a big enough deal that we need to think that way as well. Um, I mean, and I work in public health right now and just, you know, my, a lot of what I'm, I'm focused on writing my thesis about, um, from, cause I, you know, my program is a strong philosophical bent. So I want to write a lot about like what your obligations are to other people in terms of like taking charge of your healthcare. And I, I'm inclined to think that we all have these obligations to people in which we are in contact with based on you know, the fact that we all have to respect each other's rationality. And a lot of philosophy kind of in the bioethics world, at least historically has kind of claimed like everyone's a rational agent and their decisions affect only them. But we know that's not true. Your decisions affect everybody else around mm -hmm. you. And I just, I don't think that everybody really sees the world that way. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, obviously like my point of view and, and it's a very opinionated <laughs> position to have, but it's something that I just, I feel like the world would be a much better place if people just saw that they have an obligation to, you know, protect themselves from disease because not only is that going to harm you, it's going to harm other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a question. So if you're infected with it, um, how long do you carry the virus that could be passed on? That's a good question. Um, so a lot of the clinical reports show a variation with this. Um, it appears that if you're a man, you're carrying it for about three to four weeks in your semen. But there have been a few clinical reports that have shown infection that has happened long after that period is over. So currently what the CDC recommends um, is that if you have traveled to an area where Zika is actually being transmitted, you should not get pregnant. If you're, if you're a man, you should wait six months before you, uh, get someone pregnant. And if you're a woman, you should wait eight weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't really, I think the six months estimate is probably like more time, you know, they're saying that because they really have no idea mm -hmm. how long just to it, be safe. it will. Right. It's sort of like just to be mm -hmm. safe. And that's what's scary about this virus too, is that we don't know that much about it. I mean, every, every week there's something else that comes out that, you know, especially like with this female to male sexual transmission, something else is going to happen that just kind of completely changes what we thought about uh, how it works. So well, probably um, now that we know that men can get it too that way, they'll probably mm -hmm. get Congress to actually do something about mm -hmm. it. <laughs> I know. I know. Let's, that's so funny. We it's can make like, all those dudes realize that they're at risk too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's <laughs> yes, how it, and like so interesting. I just finished um writing this is you know unrelated to Zika, but I just finished writing a term paper on gender equity in clinical research. And um a lot of I didn't end up, you know, writing a ton about this, but I was researching sort of like what women's health issues have gotten um attention and academic prestige and like funding. And it's so interesting because until very recently, most of the things that get funded are like things about contraception or like yeah. enhancing mm-hmm. someone's ability to get pregnant. And it's just, it's all stuff that men take an interest in. Yeah. Like, yeah. and the research that went into like developing contraceptives for women is just some of the most unethical research I've ever come across. Like I read about this study that happened, I think it was in the sometime in the seventies, um, on a group of low income Mexican American women. It was the study was supposed to be talking about or trying to figure out like some of how the side effects of hormonal, um, birth will affect women. And so they didn't tell the people who were getting the placebo, they were getting a placebo. They just told everyone like, Oh, we're just, you know, we're just going to observe you while you're on birth control, but half of those women were not actually perception. Jesus Christ. I know it's, it's like, it really, it's so interesting when you get into medical history because you start to see like how many people like kind of sacrifice before you to make these things available (sighs) for your healthcare. But I'm digressing. My, my point is Mm -hmm. just that, you know, it really, for these issues to get the attention that they need, so a lot of times they have to be ones that affect men. And it's really, it's just so, so frustrating as a feminist, as a bioethicist in training and, yeah. you know, a human being that these, this is still how the world works. And it's incredibly frustrating that we still don't have this, like, we're still trying to, you know, a lot of the clinical research that goes on is just so male has such an inherent male bias. Like it's just astounding once you actually like look at these things. And these are issues that isn't, they're not really, you know, you won't, you wouldn't know these things unless you were doing this kind of research. And, but it really does harm people. And I just wish that we could change it and we would understand like women's issues are not women's issues. They're people issues. Like it affects everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you guys, uh, um, you're, you're working on making like a handbook that you're going to give out to people to basically, you said like kind of a decision tree. Yeah. So I do not exactly know when that is going to be out yet. Um, we're currently, we have it almost finished and, um, the people that I work with at the medical school, we are revising and, um, we're going to go to a workshop this week and get some feedback. So, um, that should, I mean, I can let you guys know when that's distributed. It'll be some kind of just like public, um, distribution for free, um, online. So I will send that to you. You guys should make like a, like a, like an app similar to like the Oregon trail, (laughs) like a mix up of the Oregon trail and, like a choose your own adventure type situation <laughs> where like, okay, uh, are you a man or a woman? Do, do you drink regularly? Okay. Like all of these different risk factors, the types of yeah. things you like to do and, you know, have it be like a game that people go down and then maybe that, it'll help them realize like- how easy it is to, to, to not only get, but spread this, this disease. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I unfortunately know nothing about software development <laughs> app development. Um, I mean, that. Um, if you are traveling to Brazil, I highly recommend, I have it on my phone. Um, there is a Zika app from the World Health Organization. I think if you, so like I'm on it right now, you can pull up like general information about it. Um, you know, if you're a healthcare worker, you can see like the situation reports mm. and, and that kind of stuff. Um, there's a news feed, of, like all the, the new news, um, so, you know, it's pretty basic, but it would be, it's helpful to have, um, if you are traveling. So if you, I think it's literally just called Zika. Let me see. And not uh, just to the Olympics, but anywhere in the main affected areas, right? Well, apparently anywhere in the United States <laughs> right, yes. too, because yeah. it's here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Florida. I mean, really mm-hmm. just, yeah, the, the guy that we're going to publish has like has some maps in it. I mean, if you just go to the CDC website, if you just like, type into Google CDC Zika, it'll take you to their page and you can see like how many confirmed cases there are. You can look at the map to see like where the mosquito distribution is. Um, there was this really great study that just came out that I read, um, this, uh, entomologist who was like, it was, I read the news article about it. He was like hanging out with his friends in DC in the Capitol Hill neighborhood. And he like, you know, is a nerd. So he noticed that there were, the same, like Zika carrying mosquitoes there. And he like did this study that basically showed that, um, the mosquitoes in this neighborhood have actually, they're, they're referred to as being overwintered. So it means that like the same, they don't actually just die off in the winter, that like the same populations of mosquitoes are like continually breeding. Um, and apparently he's trying to make this point that like other populations of these disease carrying mosquitoes can exist and they can like persist for like long, longer periods of time than we initially thought possible. So like one of the things that the international Olympic committee and like the Brazilian government and, and they're, they're trying to say, well, it's safe to come here because the, it will be by August, the temperatures will be cooler. Mosquito breeding will be slowed down, Mm -hmm. which is true. But I also have read that the mosquito, the numbers that are there have to go down like you know, four times from where they are now. And it's just like not projected that that's going to be possible. Yeah. So, you know, they're everywhere. That's, that's the point of that. They're all over the place. You guys might be okay. You're, (laughs) you're in the Northeast and it doesn't seem like from the last time I checked that the, they, they were that far North, but apparently they were not expected to be as far North as Washington, DC. And they are. So who knows? But also just people traveling can make it happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like people traveling to Rio from all over the world. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing that I actually need to address in the, in the band book is like, if you could bring, like, if it'll be like Zika coming to the Olympic, like if you could just bring more of it to the epicenter of the (laughs) disease, which is like theoretically possible. I just, I don't really know. Right. I don't know. I haven't read anything specifically about that. Um, yeah, but that's also a concern is that we're just like bringing all of these people who might actually have it, depending on where they're coming from, like back to its epicenter. So yeah, who knows? And all, I mean, like it's kind of known that in the Olympic um, villages that these young athletes kind of hook up a lot. So I can't oh even God. imagine. Yeah. 
I mean, the Olympic Village is like a sex fan, basically. Right. <laughs> I was reading. I was reading that like they they mm-hmm. are stocking up the Olympic Village with like so many condoms that it averages out to forty two condoms per mm. athlete. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> a lot they of balloon do animals s- down there in Rio. They have they have to do something. They're just kind of sequestered there, right? Yeah, I mean, right. So they're giving out. Um, they're putting female condoms in there for the first time. Mm, so you've got your choice, and wind. they're also just throwing in a bunch of lube. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There's gonna be packs of lube everywhere. So like, they're trying to make you have a good time. I mean, oh good for God. them that they're at least being like sex positive about right. the situation. But uh, like, forty two condoms. <laughs> Person. like that is a lot of sex mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man apparently i was in the wrong career should have become an olympian not a podcaster <laughs> well who was it i heard on some podcast i think it was jesse case's podcast he was making a joke about what it's like to go to the olympics if you're like a curler or like some kind of athlete <laughs> that like Aww. is more like you know, like playing a game, you're like the schlub the of the Olympic Village. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what that must be like. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you need somebody to play, like to join your bocce ball team, you want to get the curlers because <laughs> those guys probably got the <laughs> they got the arm motion down at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, for what you know, bocce, it's very like, you know, you have to finesse it. But I'm sure a curler would know. Lots of yelling and yeah, was- sweeping things. Um. <laughs> All right, Kelly. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. I will um, share. Is it all right? So you shared a paper with me that you guys had just submitted that op ed that you mentioned. Is it okay if I share that, like in the show notes, for everybody to absolutely? Yeah, along? that was um, published in the Chicago Tribune a couple weeks ago. So please feel free to to share that. And um, it's a little outdated now because it we were commenting on um, the urgency of funding the Zika fight and that did not happen, but it at least brings up some interesting issues and, um, some stuff that we in the bioethics community are talking about. So please do share. Um, I, I might be writing something else relatively soon for popular media. Um, I will let you guys know about that as well. Yeah, please do. Uh, do you, do you want people to find you online or do you want to remain mysterious? You can find me online. (laughs) I'm on best way to kind of engage with me is on Twitter. I'm at Kelly Folkers, K-E-L-L-Y-F-O-L-K-E-R-S. Um, I'm relatively active there. And, you know, if you don't want to hear me talk about how terrible everything is in the public health world, then don't follow me. Cause a lot of what <laughs> I will post is like, everybody should be mad about this. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so I'm on, I'm on Twitter. Um, please, you know, feel free to contact me. And, you know, we're also just trying to, I'm trying to get a lot of opinion from people about like what they would want to know and like what their concerns are, because I really think that everyone's experience and voice is so valid in really everything, but specifically that's so left out of conversations in medicine and public health. So if you have any questions or just, any kind of like things that we didn't address here today that you want to, you know, in listener land, please feel free to get in contact with me. And I'm happy to kind of investigate those things more. For sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah, thanks. Yes, you're very mm-hmm. welcome. <laughs> All right. We'll let you, uh, we'll let you get to sleep now since it's like <laughs> two in the morning or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's one. This is my normal bedtime. So it'll be fine. <laughs> this was so fun, you guys. Thanks for having me pop on today. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Bye. So, Christy, what, what do you think about all that? 
I don't want to get the Zika. <laughs> you don't want to get the Zika. Well, I probably wouldn't know. It's not like I'm planning to have a kid or yeah. I don't want one. So It sounds like it sounds like most people don't know and that's part of the problem. <laughs> right. Well, and all the news I had heard before is just it was only affecting babies. Yeah. So this is getting to be a little bit more serious and I just feel like they should cancel the Olympics. I was blown away when she said that I can't remember the number that she or the the term but basically like how many people you're likely to spread a disease to and she said that she said that uh e- not Ebola but the one that just happened AIDS no oh what's I- the one that just happened the big outbreak that just happened Ebola was right? it Ebola no oh. man my wires <laughs> are all crossed but that big one that just happened a while ago um she said it was like a a, a two or something or a mm-hmm. one and a half, yeah. and that this is like a four to four to seven, right? Which is the scary. same as H, uh, AIDS, which is which is terrifying to me because I I'm way more scared of that other thing than I am of the Zika thing, but apparently it's tw- twice as communicable, right? Jesus, man. But I'm on the I'm on the kill all the mosquitoes. <laughs> I mean, what do they do that's good? I need to see the, that data. I feel like mosquitoes do a lot of not good things. Yeah, because like, you know, I mean, stuff people bees, eat bees, those are insects. People, they pollinate flowers. Yeah. Good. Let's keep those. Mm-hmm. Spiders, they kill the bad bugs. They do awesome stuff. Keep those. Yeah. But mosquitoes, what the hell do they do? Yeah. Nothing. I don't know. Kill them all. They spread, spread so many diseases. Malaria. The Zika, the, that other long one, I couldn't remember what she said. All that stuff is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Do you know anybody going to the Olympics? No. As a not spectator? This time, or no. A, no. Yeah, I don't either. But I'm not sure. I, I'm just, I'm curious. If there's anybody listening, I guess, that's planning on going or knows somebody that's going. The, I would be really curious to hear if this is affecting anything at all. I mean, and so, so, scarily enough, this like the the Zika thing is just one, you know, one part of one all of the terrible things of that all are the going terrible on things, yeah. down there. I mean, bad, it's like, to the point like the um, the people that are just in the rowing competitions in the water are wearing full bodysuits because the water is so bad that they can't have it touching them like that's terrible um and of all the olympics the summer olympics are the ones that i can actually enjoy a little bit Mm -hmm. and it's getting to the point where i might just be done like there's it's like the nfl a little bit but on a a higher grosser scale the one of the things that um that she mentioned that really stuck out to me and that kind of freaked me out and w- we didn't really get into it too much but she was talking about the um basically just the imbalance in clinical studies that are going on when it comes to reproductive health and and that kind of stuff as it breaks down for uh, along gender lines uh, do you remember that when she was yes. talking about that so i it scares me. We were talking, we were talking because we're looking at maybe purchasing a home. And one of the biggest needs for us is making sure that it's in a certain school district. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, there's a bunch of different apps that help you look for homes. And 
some of them have a filter for school age kids and some of them don't or for school district. And I was like, oh, yeah, probably the engineers at whatever XYZ app that we were using, probably there's not any engineers there or or not any product people that actually have kids. So they don't think to build this feature (laughs) into things. So like when she was talking about that, when she was talking about the fact that there's all of these imbalances in clinical mm-hmm. studies and stuff that are being done. It, it freaks me out because there's all of this stuff that we don't know. I mean, that's, but that's, that's, what's that called? Uh, the patriarchy. I mean, that's, that's. Oh, for a, sure. A way that. That's, I mean, like boys and girls um, present differently in almost all childhood diseases autism, ADHD, all of those things. And so girls have been not diagnosed for years and years and years because it's different. And they only tested on boys because they only cared about that. So they always thought, oh, well, boys are disproportionately autistic over girls, but that's not necessarily the case. And that's, I mean, just the fact that um, Viagra got federal funding before birth control did is disgusting. Like, yeah, Yeah. I don't know. It freaks me out to think of just the uh the effects on on society as a whole in, in the imbalances that are there. Yes. I don't know. I don't know, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> I love it. I love that you're just like becoming aware of these things. <laughs> like well, oh man, things are different for women. I think <laughs> that, that uh, sucks. <laughs> I think that that's what they call privilege, right? right. Is that I yeah, you don't have to know about didn't it. Didn't have to know about it because yep. it didn't affect me. Right. But the problem is that people choose to not know that that are white male whatever and they're the ones that make the rules (laughs) yeah and have the funding and this is one of the huge reasons that diversity is important like in 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 any context whether it's you know in a professional setting or in in medical medical testing or whatever i mean it's not Mm -hmm. just like it's not just a box to check like oh we need to get I mean, people always complain about affirmative action or, you know, whatever. They're going to hire – so-and-so is going to get hired because they're a woman and they're – you know, they need to have a woman on the team or whatever. But every, it, the world is a better place for everybody right. when we have diversity in all of these areas because there's lots of stuff that dudes don't think about. I mean, we always talk about that Sally Ride example, <laughs> that the first astronaut, the first NASA astronaut that was a woman that went to space. She – uh the all of the the engineers gave her like a hundred tampons for mm-hmm. like a five day trip when she went to space. <laughs> I mean, there's just there's lots of stuff that you know that dudes don't know because they're dudes, and so we need to get some ladies up in there to, you know. Which brings me to something that. that I'm nerding out about this week is the um, book Notorious RBG. Everyone needs to read that. RBG. Oh, Ruth. Justice Ruth. Bader Ginsburg. Ginsburg. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone should read that book. It's amazing the things that she did. There were multiple times I was crying while I was listening to the audio book, walking around on the bus at at work. Like, yeah. I mean, you were explaining to me that she basically took, uh, she took a a court that was really heavily leaning one direction, and you were explaining she kind of outlined her plan that Mm -hmm. she took to sort of hold their hand and guide them to a place of more kind of common sense and just wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, Basically like getting really old and I'm getting really nervous. Yeah. It's it's very scary. Well, 
more <laughs> very good reason to, to need more women, be very conscious of who uh, we elect into the White House <laughs> because yes. the next four years is going to be a pretty big deal yes. when it comes to appointing uh, these Supreme Court justices. I wish that so. uh, in my dreams, Clinton gets the presidency. Oh, that really stung to say that. But and she appoints Barack Obama to the Supreme Court. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I know, but, but constitutional law is his background. So yeah. that would be amazing. Yeah. I said dream. I didn't say reality. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like uh, we just went on a crazy rabbit trail. We got we we rabbit were trail? able to connect. We went down we a were rabbit able hole. To connect you say the weirdest the things to you. from Zika to the Supreme Court. I think that's too weird no, of a I guess stretch. it wasn't that too but but we got there through uh an app for purchasing homes yeah Just, that's you know, true anyway <laughs> whatever whatever um all right well christina next week's show we have something kind of exciting in store right we have another guest coming in that's going to interview us that's going to interview us and ask us some questions about marriage, I guess. Um, we have a listener that reached out and said that apparently there's some kind of thing in the Catholic Church where if you – they grill you or something? I no, feel like you, you have should to take, know more about you, this. You take yeah. marriage classes, like oh. pre-marriage counseling. And... Okay, yeah. No, that's just – that's not just a Catholic thing. Yeah, no. That was I mean, that was something that was big in my, uh, in my world Those too. Those classes are actually why I was baptized Catholic because as part of it, you promise to – baptize your children as Catholic. Oh. And because of that, my mom still held on to the Catholic guilts mm -hmm. and baptized me. So we have somebody that's basically going to sit with us and take us through some pre-marriage counseling I guess. for the show. <laughs> yeah. So we'll it'll, it'll either be really funny or it will be a dumpster fire. Either way, you like it. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> Come uh, saddle on up and warm your hands. Watch us. Watch Things us are about to get real. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. That's enough for this week. Christina, you're fantastic. I really appreciate you. Oh, you're sweet. Uh, do you have any last words? Never wait for cake. I'm, I'm sorry. Let your nerd flag fly! E e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e